Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's evening news on WSB. This just in. Uh, Steve Dixon, the senior vice president for flight operations from Delta, retired in October. The president is now going to put him in as uh, chief of the FAA. So he was a pilot at Delta, uh, Air Force officer, Air Force Academy grad, F-15 fighter pilot. Uh, then he uh, flew um, planes for Delta and is retired from Delta as the senior vice president of flight operations. And now he'll be chair of the FAA uh, if he gets through the Senate. That requires Senate confirmation. Uh, this Boeing 737 MAX situation uh, is cascading badly for Boeing. And one of the issues that's come up along the way is that uh, the approval of the plane is or the investigation is happening rather while the FAA is without a chief and uh, the FAA slot has been empty for a while. The president wanted his personal pilot from a 757 in charge. The Senate rejected him and now the White House scrambling to find someone qualified in that slot. They've landed on Steve Dixon, uh, who I don't think he's from Georgia, but has lived in Georgia here while working for Delta. Um, speaking of Georgia, as you heard at the top of the news hour, SK group bringing 2,000 jobs to Jackson County, a $1.7 billion factory. Now, uh, this is relevant to a host of other news. So while I was in line uh, picking up Gunner from school earlier, uh, my 10-year-old, the president called. Uh, yeah, it sounds so surreal, doesn't it? The president called. I was in line. I was in carpool and the president called while I was in carpool. Uh, which is somewhat awkward because you're not supposed to use phones in carpool, but luckily the kids hadn't come out yet when the president called. Uh, one of the things he and I were talking about on the phone was this uh, polling that has come out. Seven in ten say the American economy is good or great. That's pretty staggering. Seventy percent of Americans uh, say that uh, the economy is good or great. Uh, people really feeling the benefits of the economy right now, uh, even though the president's polling is somewhat uncoordinated from that. It usually... When the economy, when the economic numbers go up because people feel good about the economy, the president's polling goes up. The president's polling had been up. It started to decline, and it appears that the president's polling had gone up largely because there weren't any issues, and the president uh, was benefited from the polling number from the economic numbers that benefited his polling. But as issues related to the president have come up in the last couple of weeks, uh, his polling has gone down despite the economy. And, you know, I got to say, I I did tell the president that if if you got 70 percent of people saying the economy is good or great, the odds are it's probably about 80 percent. And there are about 10 percent of people who don't want to give him any credit. So they say it's bad. So you're you're really talking about 80 percent of the people. So if you see the president start talking about 80% of the people say the economy is good, you'll know where he got it from. Um, it's, it's still very surreal, folks. You're, I, I'm in line at Carpool. Uh, unknown number calls. Usually when it's an unknown number, it's it's Fox or CNN asking if I'll be on TV. And now I'm starting to learn if it's an unknown number, it's Madeline, the president's assistant, calling. Uh, the president either wants me to call him or he's calling me. And so there it was today. Uh, calling me just to chat uh, about the election coming up, about the economic news, and about the judges. Um, So there you have it. Now, we need to move on. Speaking of judges and the president and whatnot, the Mueller situation continues to advance. A number of people have retired or, or left the Mueller investigation. Several more have left in the last 48 hours, we're now learning, which is a very big tip off the report is coming. I gotta tell you, there were a lot of people privately suspecting the report was going to drop today. And it has not. Uh, if it comes this week, I will not be surprised. I was planning on taking, we got spring break next week, but I'm starting to suspect the Mueller report could come. So I am sticking around near home in case the Mueller report comes so I can be here if the Mueller report comes out. What we know is that they began very early on investigating Michael Cohen. And in investigating Michael Cohen, they were able to build a case around the president's team and made relevant inquiries into people based on their investigation of Michael Cohen. It appears that early on, the Mueller team set their sights on Cohen, and Cohen, it appears, may have been a little more cooperative with the Mueller team earlier than people expected. 
which is very interesting if that was the case because word on the street is that he assumed at the time Mueller was looking at him, he would have been able to get a pardon. If it is true that Cohen was looking into, or that Mueller was looking into Cohen earlier than expected, he was looking into Cohen at a time Cohen was still talking to the president and may have been talking to the president and sharing that information with uh, with Mueller, rather. Now, but there is a relevant tip-off here. Cohen, in his testimony to Congress, said he knew nothing, nothing of collusion with Russia. If the Mueller investigators had been looking at Michael Cohen way earlier than and engaged with him way earlier than expected, and he told Congress he knows nothing of the collusion, then there probably is no there there. And if there is no there there, um, it begs the question of what the Mueller team is going to show up with. What I'm being told from people in Washington, not the president, by the way, who called, um, I did not talk to him about the report. I've talked to others in the White House about the report. And what the people in the White House tell me they expect to come out of the Mueller report. So what the White House team is telling me is they expect no major bombshells from the Mueller investigation at this point. The White House team actually sees benefit from Michael Cohen testifying before Congress and saying he knew nothing about the Russian collusion. There are people not in the White House, but people very close to the White House who expect there will be a few more indictments coming down. Uh, There are a couple people who are very fearful that some in the president's very close orbit might get indicted or at least implicated in the Mueller report. But as far as uh, collusion with Russians goes, probably not going to happen. Uh, There's... All you need to know on that. Now, I want to jump back into Georgia news and this uh, news report coming out about SK Group. Big win for Brian Kemp. It comes very early in his administration, uh, but enough time into his administration, he can kind of take some credit for this and not just say this was a continuing legacy of Governor Deal. SK Group is a Korean group. They are going to be manufacturing batteries for a Volkswagen, which is building electric cars in Chattanooga. Uh, They're going to build a $1.7 billion battery factory in Jackson County. That is uh, in the Commerce area. They will employ 2,000 people. It is a huge win for Jackson County and a huge win for the state of Georgia. Why is this happening is a question that needs to be answered. Georgia lost Ford and Georgia lost uh, GM, their plants. But along the way, something happened. Foreign automotive manufacturers coming into the United States, deeply skeptical of unionization, decided to make their stand for automotive progress in the South. So Mercedes-Benz came in years ago and built a plant in, uh, in Alabama. Then Kia came in and you got BMW in South Carolina now. Uh, Kia here in Georgia, you've got Toyota in Tennessee, uh, major factories for mostly Japanese and German auto manufacturers, and they're south. Uh, they're they're not in Detroit. They're not where Ford, GM, and Chrysler were. In fact, now Mercedes-Benz owns Chrysler. Mercedes-Benz moved its headquarters uh, down here with us. A lot of this has to do with unionization and regulation from progressive governments up north. This is something to be mindful of as as a state of play moving forward. Democrats in Georgia had in the past very much taken a position that they were good for business. Businesses could, in fact, come to the South, even with Democratic administrations, and they would not have to quarrel with the Democrats. They would not have to fight the Democrats. They would not see sudden drive for unionization. The problem is that many of the Democrats who made those deals have become Republicans over time or they've left office. And increasingly, you have more progressive Democrats, even in southern states. I mean, look at the legislature here in Georgia. Uh, While Fortune 500 companies may agree with Democrats on the religious liberty bill or other social policies like the fetal heartbeat bill, some businesses have qualms with that, by and large on fiscal and regulatory nature and environmental concerns as well, they don't agree with the Democrats. And what you're continuing to find is a stabilization effort of of, uh, foreign auto manufacturers and other major corporations moving into southern states, looking for more stability in government than they get up north, where progressive governments see corporations as big pools of taxation for their economies. 
I think this is an angle Republicans can play, the job creation angle. It'll certainly help Brian Kemp as he seeks re-election, but also should be able to help Republicans in the state as they point out that now the Democrats in Georgia have essentially shed their more conservative, moderate skin and are fully embracing progressivism of, of urban Democrats, leaving out rural Democrats, except for a handful of black Democrats from rural areas of the state that are, his, for historic reasons, very tied to the Democratic Party. You're going to be able to see Republicans make a play for this good governance angle that the Democrats can't really compete with because the Democrats, in addition to being a party of big government, are also, also so progressive when it comes to economic regulation that many of the jobs coming into Georgia, like this SK group bringing a $1.7 billion factory and 2,000 jobs, they wouldn't come. But for the good governance that the Republican takeover of the South happening in the mid-90s really incentivized as Southern governments pushed out unions and really embraced the free market. Uh, this is a big win for Brian Kemp, a big win for the state, also a big win for Republicans in government if they'll play it right. Not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their sides. I'm one of them. I, I go from one slide to the other. I fall asleep on my back. I wake up in the morning. I'm on my side. My butterfly pillow gives you the support in the places you need it most. It keeps your neck, spine, and alignment throughout the night, even if you switch sides like I do. My Butterfly Pillow, and it's called My Butterfly Pillow. It's patented sleep technology. It elevates your head to where you need it. It includes a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It's soft. It's comfortable. Listen, this is a pillow for people who get sleep. It's a pillow for people who get how I sleep. It's a pillow for you. The height is even adjustable to get the right height for you. And, you know, I, I also endorse the, the call map. My kids use it to go to sleep. Do you fall asleep with white noise or meditative sounds? Get this. The My Butterfly Pillow, it has a Bluetooth adapted night owl speaker so you can listen to music, sounds, or even a smart TV. Seriously, it connects into Bluetooth. You can listen to music while you fall asleep. I do that, particularly when I'm taking naps. Listeners to the show can save $30 off the list price of $129. You use code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout, and you'll get My Butterfly Pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. You go to MyButterflyPillow.com, you enter code ERIC at checkout, you save $30 and get free shipping. That's MyButterflyPillow.com. The checkout code is ERIC. You will get a better night's sleep. You'll get a better nap. You'll just get a better sleep experience with My Butterfly Pillow. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number, phone lines are now open, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Huge win for the president today in the Supreme Court. 5-4 uh, decision, John Roberts joined with the other conservatives in a decision authored by Sam Alito. The Supreme Court ruled that the president, uh, the that the government can detain indefinitely illegal aliens who are to be deported when charged with other crimes. So essentially, you have a an illegal alien who goes to jail for committing a crime in this country. According to the Supreme Court, the United States has the power, once their um, sentence is over for their crime, the government can detain them indefinitely to await deportation. That is a very big win by the Trump administration. The Trump administration has been arguing for this. And the uh, a lot of left-wing political analysts and law school professors have said, no, 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 you can't do this. And here comes the Supreme Court saying yes. Now, interestingly enough, John Roberts joined the majority here. And I want to just say something very briefly about John Roberts. If you look at these cases, there have been a number of stories now from conservatives saying, oh, John Roberts has gone left. He's trying to fill the void of Anthony Kennedy. If you look at Roberts's positions uh, from this immigration case to the abortion cases, I understand and share the frustration of conservatives. But I would also note that in every one of these cases, what John Roberts has done is preserve the status quo. There's been no shift in jurisprudential doctrines from the Supreme Court with Roberts now that Kennedy is gone. 
Roberts standing with the left on the abortion cases, the Planned Parenthood reviews, he actually sided with the status quo. Roberts joining conservatives today uh, in saying that the government can detain indefinitely uh, people who are here illegally and need to be deported sides with the status quo. It appears to me that, you know, John Roberts and the president, they had that little squabble a while back where the president said that there were Obama judges and uh, John Roberts on Twitter. And I think he released a statement that was then pushed out on social media that there were no Obama judges. There were no Bush judges. There were no Trump judges. There were judges of the United States uh, judiciary. And the president fired back at him. I have a sneaking suspicion that Roberts, who has stated often that he views his job as preserving the integrity of the court as an independent branch of government, is trying to preserve the status quo to calm things down a little bit. He doesn't want to take the court off in a significantly new conservative direction after the Kavanaugh fight. He doesn't want to do so after the president as well. Essentially, he does want to frustrate the president's agenda to some degree uh, so that it does not give people the view of the courts being stacked by the president. Because, you know, you got Democrats now, a number of them, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, and others talking, maybe we do need to add seats to the Supreme Court, which would completely undermine things. Now, when we come back, we got to shift gears to the cyclorama. I've seen it. You're going to want to see it too. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to go to the phones. Peter in Marietta, welcome. Hi, Eric. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? We we were incredibly excited about getting to go see the new Cyclorama yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. Had a friend in from out of town and were really disappointed. And let me explain why. It was very disjointed in the way the presentation was given, and you lost the sense of the history of the battle. I will comment, though, that the repair of the painting and the artifacts surrounding it were outstanding. The speaker at the cyclorama was just randomly talking and pointing out things, and so it didn't seem at all like there was any continuity. Oh, that's interesting, because what time did you go? 11.30 yesterday. Oh, see, we we went at the very last showing yesterday, and the speaker was fantastic and and walked you all the way around the painting with what was going on in the painting. I thought it was a fantastic experience, which shows you the tour guide matters. And In fact, I got to tell everybody, and Peter, thanks for that. I'm sorry you didn't have that great of an experience that morning, but y'all, I thought it was awesome. Um, the kids were amazed. Okay. So uh, let me back up here and, and give you the overview of why I wasn't here yesterday. If you, if you missed last week, uh, my daughter's seventh grade class had an overnight trip to Atlanta, uh, where we went into the city, stayed at a hotel and we went, uh, to the zoo, spent way too much time at the zoo. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Atlanta zoo. Um, I grew up with the new Orleans zoo, which is just fantastic. Um, the Atlanta zoo is good, but it's just, it's, it's not my favorite. Um, but we went to the zoo, we went to the CNN center. Can I just say for just momentarily, can I say, God bless the people at CNN and the wonderful tour guides. They were super people. It is a waste of money. Um, it is, it's a tourist trap the CNN center. I actually brought the class to WSB this morning and, and took them all through WSB, showing them, uh, down to the computers and the routers that we use to keep everything on air to the control room for TV, took them on set on TV. Cause I felt like that they got ripped off uh, with the CNN tour where you see a, a kind of fake studio and then not a whole lot. I, I was really disappointed with the CNN uh, tour, really disappointed. Uh, my daughter, in particular, was super disappointed because she's used to going to CNN with me and, and seeing the ladies in the makeup room, seeing the green room, uh, being on set, stuff like that. It was just it was disappointing. I got some thoughts on CNN I want to share. Um, we'll get to that maybe if we have time. But 
the cyclorama, the, first of all, I had never been to the Atlanta History Center other than I went over there to do an interview, an oral history project, asked me to come over a while back, uh, but had not actually been into the exhibits. If you have not been to the Atlanta History Center, it's on uh, West Peachtree uh, next to the St. Regis. It is amazing. The Swan House, amazing. Uh, the exhibits just mind blowing. The Bobby Jones exhibit, even if you're not a golfer, uh, and, and my 13 year old isn't a golfer, but she was impressed with the trophies, the exhibits. Uh, it, it was fantastic. The Civil War section, just mind blowing in what they have. The the ordinance case that they have of ordinance from the Civil War was uh, just crazy. How much they had, but I, I gotta I gotta disagree with with Peter who called and said he what wasn't. It, it, was kind of disappointed the cyclorama. My wife, I've been married now. Well, th- this year we'll be married 19 years in October. And she's been telling me for 19 years, we needed to go to the cyclorama and we just never got around to doing it. Well, it used to be over in Grand Park by the zoo. If you go to the zoo now, it's under renovation and they've taken in the building that the cyclorama was housed in. And they're going to turn it into an elephant viewing center and something else. Um, the cyclorama was completely restored in 2015 and put in the Atlanta History Museum. It opened, I think, late last year or early this year, rather. And it just, it was mind-blowing. I've never seen anything like it. Now, what is the cyclorama? The cyclorama is a painting in the round, which means it's a cylinder. And to view it, you go up a set of escalators to the inside of the painting. And the painting surrounds you uh, 180 degrees, 360 degrees. It is 50 feet tall and about 340, 350 feet long. It's longer than football field and it wraps around. And it bows in slightly at the center and it provides an optical illusion to make it look more three-dimensional than it actually is. Now, the Battle of Atlanta Cyclorama that you go see at the Atlanta History Center was painted 25 years after the Battle of Atlanta. It was painted in Milwaukee by a group that would travel around. This was before theaters, before IMAX, before motion picture at all, before radio even. And cycloramas were the entertainment of the day. And buildings would be built and cycloramas would travel around the country and people could go see them. And it was fully immersive. You could walk around and see this painting. You were on an elevated platform. So you were seeing the painting about halfway up. So you look down and the ground falls away from you. You look up and the sky falls away from you. It looked very three-dimensional to people and the paintings were amazing. The painting for the Battle of Atlanta was done 25 years after the Civil War, as I said. Uh, in the night, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, it was bought by a man who lived in Atlanta, who brought it down to Atlanta and began advertising it as the only battle or the only battle the Confederates won that was ever painted. And you're thinking, wait a second, they lost the Battle of Atlanta to Sherman. Yes, well, he repainted it. And he painted fleeing, uh, fleeing Confederate soldiers to look like they were Union soldiers fleeing. And he advertised it as such. Uh, and what he advertised is because everybody knew that the Battle of Atlanta had been lost, that at this particular moment, this was part of the battle that the Confederates won before Sherman set them back. And it was a big thing in Atlanta for a long time, and it kind of fell into disrepair over time. Well, in the 1980s... Um, Mayor Jackson bought the cyclorama and restored it. The first black mayor of Atlanta bought the cyclorama and put it in Grant Park and the city restored it. And a lot of people said, why, why on earth is, is the first ma- black mayor of Atlanta buying the cyclorama, a painting that the Confederates used to say what a grand victory the Confederates had by repainting scenes? Well, he completely restored it. Put the Confederate soldiers back losing, got rid of the added American flags that were drawn in to make it look like the Union was was uh, losing, really restored the painting to what it looked like originally. And he said, you know what, why am I upset about this painting? It, it shows a, a battle where the Union soldiers won. And it became a huge success, but over time it began to fall in repair. And ultimately, the Grant Park area, the, the people who owned it, decided it was time to pass it off to the Atlanta History Center and they've spent several years restoring it. So, you know, one of the cool things they do now is they project a movie onto half of the cyclorama. Some people have said, uh, in fact, there, there was criticism early on, oh, this is going to be politically correct. I didn't find it that way at all. 
what the Atlanta History Center has been able to do with this production that they film onto it that shows you the history of the cyclorama was to give you a sense of both sides. There were sons and grandsons and granddaughters of Confederate soldiers who viewed the cyclorama differently from the children and grandchildren of Union officers, and both of whom viewed it differently from the descendants of slaves. And there's only one black person painted into the entire painting. Uh, you're talking 50 feet high, 350 feet long, one black person painted in the painting. Now, of course, Sherman refused to use active uh, black soldiers in the uh, Battle of Atlanta. He did not want black soldiers fighting, but they certainly were on the sidelines helping. Uh, they were helping uh, get people off the field. They were helping patch people up, etc. But there's only one of them painted. So what this movie does, and it does it in silhouette very, very well, I thought, is it shows you how people over the years, uh, black and white, Union and Confederate, have interpreted the cyclorama, how it was changed to make it look like a Southern propaganda piece, how it was changed back, restored to its uh, original form. I thought they I thought they captured it brilliantly. Y'all, I, I was just awestruck. I had to apologize on, on Instagram yesterday. I was putting up so many pictures from the cyclorama. There's even Clark Gable in the 1940s when Gone with the Wind was filmed, came to Atlanta and insisted that he be put in the cyclorama, so they made him a dead Yankee soldier. And you can see Clark Gable's body there as part of the cyclorama. It's just, I was I was amazed. I really, really was amazed. If you have not been, you need to, it is worth every penny to go. I don't know how much it costs. Uh, we were on a school trip, but it is worth it. Go see the cyclorama. Um, and uh, Peter was called in, said he was a little disappointed with the way the tour guide worked. I thought in the afternoon, it was just, it was an amazing tour. Uh, really showed where the battle was, where you were seeing it. Uh, what part of Atlanta you could see the state capitol off in the distance, uh, where everything was, uh, walked around the painting, kind of give you the the lay of the land of how the battle unfolded. Uh, it was, I was just, I was amazed. Uh, I very much recommend it. And yes, I have devoted an entire segment here to tell you about the cycle. My wife has been telling me for 19 years, I needed to see it. I'm ready to go back next weekend and see it again because you can't see it all in one setting. We were there for an hour, and you cannot take in this entire painting in an hour. It's just, it was amazing. You need to go see it. The Atlanta History Center, well done indeed. The Gwinnett Marta vote is happening. There's time for you to go vote. I, I am, I guess I, I made news, didn't intend for it to be such a big deal, but yeah, I definitely think that uh, it's it's time to pass Marta in Gwinnett County. I was I stayed at the Omni last night uh, up at the Battery. I've never stayed there. Fantastic hotel. Uh, I normally stay in Buckhead. I, I may have to make that uh, where I kind of stay when I'm in the city. It was just it was great. The hotel was great. The Battery is just so well done, and my my daughter really liked everything up there. Just she she was very impressed with the way it it was laid out, designed, and integrated between condos and hotel and businesses it was just it's very thoughtfully laid out but i it's definitely it's by not having a subway station there tied into marta there's they're missing part of the full picture of what they could have up at the battery and i think gwinnett is missing part of the picture as well and i'm certainly in favor of it i'm in favor of it largely because i think that it's going to happen one way or the other Uh, Those of you who are free market, small government people, you have a shot to play a role in the development of public transportation expansion in Gwinnett County. You're going to miss out otherwise. So very much, very much hope you go out and support it. But whether you do or you don't, if you're opposed to it still, uh, you got time to vote if you're in Gwinnett County. Get over and vote on MARTA expansion in Gwinnett County. It'll be a subway line and it'll also be a separate designated road for buses uh, so basically, it'll be uh, trains with tires uh, in a separate line uh, worth, worth supporting, I think. When we come back, the fetal heartbeat bill is making its way through the legislature. And the, the Beto O'Rourke in, uh, fascin- fascination from the media seems to be disappearing quickly.
engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's the second hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlantis Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to detour here and and go on and jump into something that I I really, it was, if I were, had been here yesterday, I'd wanted to talk about it. And you'll just have to, we'll get to Beto here in a little bit and the fetal heartbeat bill here in a little bit. A number of people over the weekend asked me um, or expressed frustration, some some asking questions as to why it was so. A lot of the media coverage of the New Zealand mosque shooting noted the shooting in Charleston at the church there, uh, the shooting at the uh, at the synagogue or temple in, in Pennsylvania, shooting at an Islamic worship facility here in the United States and in Canada. And people were saying, what about Sutherland Springs? And I do think it's very notable that in the media coverage, the media has become so invested in a story about race in the United States that they're willing to drop things that do not shape the narrative. And, and this is this is tied into a much larger picture of my complaint with the media uh, and uh, my complaint with CNN. It seems to me that the modern American media is much more interested in telling stories that conform to certain beliefs, and they are willing to ditch um, topics and facts that undermine the narrative. The Sutherland Springs shooting in Texas where a man went into a church and killed a bunch of people and it was a church that was predominantly overwhelmingly or completely white. It kind of undermines the narrative that all of these other minority religions are under persecution from white folks. The same in Egypt uh, and throughout the Middle East, but particularly in Egypt, there have been a number of attacks on Coptic Christian churches. Coptic Christians, one of the oldest Christian denominations on the planet. Christians were in Egypt and Ethiopia before they were in Rome. Uh, you have the story of, of Philip uh, in the Bible uh, met by an angel. You have the story of others in the Bible heading into Africa from the Holy Land uh, after, after Christ's resurrection. The earliest Christian churches were in Africa free of Roman persecution by and large, uh, they were able to establish, and they are under nonstop threats and persecution. And all of these things are left out of most of the media stories, and I do feel in the interest of fair play, it's worth pointing out, that most of the attacks that are happening are happening on on synagogues. In fact, most of the anti or the race-based violence and religious violence in this country and around the world happens to Jews. It is somewhat disconcerting to the, me that the media tries to amplify, and this is not to undermine, and I don't want anybody to hear me say I'm trying to downplay the attack in New Zealand or other attacks on, on mosques and, and Islamic religious centers. I'm not. Uh, what I am saying, though, is that the media sometimes elevates them to almost make it look equal, that there there is an equal threat to Islam and an equal threat to Judaism around the world from violence, and that's not actually true. Uh, the bulk of religious violence around the world happens to Jews. What happened in New Zealand was a real tragedy, but I don't think that we need to take away from this that there is an equality to the violence. There is, is certainly people who hate religious groups. But the persecution of Jews around the world continues to escalate, including in this country, a religious-based violence in this country more often than not happens against Jews. At the same time, what about the Christians? Well, it's worth talking about that as well. And a buddy of mine just texted me, don't forget the Nigerians. Yes, the, the violence against Christian churches in Nigeria as well. Uh, equal to or worse than what's happening in Egypt, uh, given the Islamic terrorists there. But this gets into a larger critique of the media that we need to dwell on. I I mentioned earlier, disappointed by the tour at CNN. I think they could do a better job there. Um, it's not very thoughtful. It's very rather outdated. Um, 
but I suspect it's not a huge moneymaker, so they haven't invested a lot of time in it. But one of my great frustrations with CNN is that it really wants to be the Diet Coke of to Fox and, and MSNBC. It doesn't even want to be the Pepsi. It doesn't want to try to differentiate itself. It just wants to be like Fox and MSNBC, but just not quite. Um, so MSNBC has Lawrence O'Donnell. They have Chris Hayes. They have Rachel Maddow. They have Al Sharpton. And we're going to get Don Lemon on CNN and, and a little bit of Chris Cuomo. Fox, Hannity, Laura Ingram, uh, Tucker Carlson. You get my point. So where Fox has three or four and MSNBC has three or four, eh, we're going to get Don Lemon and maybe Chris Cuomo at CNN. Now, there's more and more polling that shows that Americans are highly distrustful of the American media. Highly, highly distrustful of the American media. And CNN has a way to differentiate itself from Fox and MSNBC that they can't match and that CNN technically is still headquartered in Atlanta. But CNN's news coverage, more often than not, matches the Acela Corridor conventional wisdom as opposed to being out of CNN. You know, when I was at CNN for a number of years, one of the things uh, that uh, John Klein, who was the president of CNN, told me was that they're a, they're a news network headquartered in Georgia that doesn't have anything in common with people who live in Georgia. And I think that still holds. And I think they never were able to capture that. What CNN has decided to do is to shape every narrative is about President Trump. Uh, you take, for example, the Boeing situation. The, the narrative is that the president, by not having someone in charge of the FAA, is undermining the investigation into the Boeing 737-8 MAX. Do you know what the narrative should be? That President Obama's administration, his FAA, outsourced the approval to Boeing. Let Boeing make the safety approvals for the Boeing. But that would be disruptive because the the narrative is that President Trump bad, Barack Obama good. And so CNN's not delving into the full facts on that story because it would disrupt the narrative. CNN, like every other news network in the country is beholden now to narratives. They don't just want to tell stories. Every story has to have an angle for a common narrative. And if you watch CNN, virtually every single story is tied to President Trump. It does not matter if the story is about two raccoons stealing trash in Dubuque. Somehow or another, there's going to be a President Trump angle. An anchor is going to make an offhanded uh, joke about the president, something. Everything is tied to the president. Not everything is about the president. And that's why so many people distrust the media is they may not be able to put it into words, but they understand intuitively what they're seeing, that not everything is about this guy. And yet CNN and all the other news networks are making it about him. CNN has a way to differentiate itself, and it doesn't do that. And, and I'm deeply worried that AT&T buying uh, Warner is going to start winding down. Uh, Turner in Atlanta, which is going to wind down CNN. And I think CNN at a time Americans really do need a profoundly good, balanced, fair, straight news network. CNN is playing resistance fan fiction, tying everything up in President Trump and winding down Atlanta instead of building up Atlanta and saying, hey, 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 we're not in the Beltway. We're not in New York. We're in Atlanta, Georgia. We have a different perspective on the news because we're not in the Acela Corridor. And instead, all of these narratives come back to Trump. The shooting in New Zealand, CNN was the very first news network to tie it to President Trump. There are so many stories that are being left on the cutting room floor, so many stories that never make it out of the morning producers meeting at the news networks because they can't be tied to Donald Trump. And there's a huge and profound growing distrust. And it all comes full circle to what I was talking about with the attacks on churches, synagogues, and mosques. The media has willfully ignored the violence against Sutherland Springs, against the Nigerian and Chinese and Egyptian Christian Coptic communities and, and the like because they can't tie that into an overarching narrative that because of Trump, violence against minorities is on the rise. They have to leave out certain things. Christians are considered a majority 
And so they ignore persecution of Christians because in every way, shape, and form, all of the news has to be tied to the president. And if it can't be, they ignore the news. And I think that's wrong. And I wish the network would do better. And I wish the news overall would do better. I want to tell you guys about an app I have fallen in love with. Uh, I'm so glad they sponsored the show. My buddy Jonathan Last uh, from the Sub Beacon recommended Calm to me a while back. And now my kids use it to help them sleep at night. I use it when I travel. Uh, it's just, it's a great app. Um, I'm very enthusiastic about it. Now, you're wondering, what, what is this app? What, what is Calm? Well, it, you know, it's it helps you relax. It can help you go to sleep. A lot of people just can't go to sleep when there's just absolute quiet. Calm actually can fill the background with relaxing music or with narration, with stories, with med- guided meditation. Uh, really, really, really helpful to get you to go to sleep at night. Uh, really, really helpful when you just need to unplug for 20 minutes or so and you need to wind down. You just want to relax for a quick. You, you got a short moment. You got a breather at the office. Calm is the app for you. It really, really helps. Now, if you head to calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off Calm premium subscription. It includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus. It includes brand new meditations every day. They've got sleep stories that help you relax. You can head to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry. You can explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They've even got soothing music and more. So right now... My listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash Eric. Get calm. Stop stressing. Go to sleep. You know, Harry's is kind of cool because they advertise on my radio show and they advertise for the podcast. Harry's is a great razor company. You can save money, particularly, you know, you're physically conscious. You're trying to save money. You're on a budget. Uh, you're in college, what have you. Harry's saves you money and you get a great shave. It's not like you're compromising a shave with Harry's. It's not like you're getting an inferior shave. You're actually getting a great shave. You're getting a five blade shave. You're getting a shave that's cheaper than the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield, but is just as good, if not better. I mean, the founders of Harry's, they bought their own factory and they make high precision blades. It's just, uh, listen, I've been a Harry's customer for a number of years. If you've seen me on TV, you've seen my clean-shaven face. You've seen a clean-shaven face that was shaved with a Harry's razor. So, if you want Harry's razors, uh, join millions, 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash Eric. You get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. You get a weighted ergonomic candle, a five-blade razor with lubricating strips, trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, travel blade cover listeners of my show can redeem the trial set at harrys.com slash eric make sure you go to harrys.com slash eric to redeem your offer and let them know i sent you to help support the show the phone number here 404-872-0750-1800 wsb talk now let's see do I, yes, I have time for a quick call. Robbie in Mableton, going to go to you. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Um, I just was, think your comment was perfect. Um, I've noticed that the septic agenda of a lot of the media outlet has, outlets has pretty much stifled individual, independent thought. And I noticed this when recently at the last uh, religious shooting in New Zealand that the local police forces in my state were all over local media saying they will provide immediate protection and overlooking certain religious um, places of worship when before they have not stepped up for any other religious attacks against any other religious places of worship and even have not stepped up when attacks have been made against school children or other things. And I think that it's just a... It's the just media if you line those there, up. Robbie. Yeah, listen, I, I got to let you go there because we've got a hard break. But yeah, the, the media coverage of this, uh, I think it's unfortunate that they want to play up some attacks and play down others when they're all just as bad. The Sutherland Spring shooting was awful, but you don't hear about it in the media because it doesn't conform to the narrative. And the media binding itself to narratives and how it tells the news, I think is really, really unfortunate and causes some stories to get played down that shouldn't be by any stretch of the imagination.
It is Atlanta's Evening News. I'm Eric Erickson. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And I'm going to the phones to Ken in Peachtree Corners. Welcome. Hey, Ken. Yes, sir. Hi there. Good afternoon. I'm sorry I didn't pick up. Usually your voice changes when you come on the air. (laughs) That's uh, not a problem. Good to talk to you. I won't call in because I've been listening to you for a while. I wouldn't like calling if I didn't have something at least in the nature of a disagreement. All right. And I was I was pleased when you finally did uh, say something on the air about the Gwinnett uh, transit vote. And I was surprised by what you said. And I was also surprised that you didn't mention a couple of things I thought were very relevant. The big one being, and you will gather immediately that I'm Oh, you could say a wee bit skeptical when it comes to things our government does, but right. I'm assuming that the 1% tax that is a part of this that you didn't mention, that nobody really mentions much, is something that we're going to have forever. And that in itself is one reason why I really didn't like this and was not inclined to vote for it. There's also the fact that this is ultimately something that's going to be a government run. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but is not MARTA ridership pretty heavily subsidized? In other words, they do not pay for themselves. Their fees do not pay for themselves. Uh, they they come closer than, for example, the, the streetcar. But, yeah, there isn't a subway system in the world I know of that actually turns a profit. I, I don't want it to turn a profit. I just don't want to have to keep paying for it on top of an additional sales tax. And that ultimately was why, despite your arguments, and I, I have some sympathy for your arguments, but saying something like, well, it's going to happen sooner or later, so just you know, grit your teeth and do it now, that doesn't really seem like a good logical reason to do something well, like this. I'm sorry. I would say that that's a, a slight mischaracterization from what I'm, I'm, mischaracterization from what I'm saying. Right. I, I appreciate your skepticism of it, though, and, and share your skepticism of government projects. Uh, my issue is why do it now rather than later is because if you do it now, uh, it's going to happen eventually, I think, with the Democrats. Uh, the demographic shift in Gwinnett County pushing the—and and again, I, I'm not saying demographics is destiny. I'm just saying the Republicans seem to have no plan uh, to combat the shift in Gwinnett County. It seems like they're writing it off in the future. The issue is that if Republicans in Gwinnett County go on and embrace MARTA now— they will be able to have a say in shaping it so that your concerns about, for example, the sales tax being forever, and it probably will be, I think Ken's right here, uh, your concerns about it, though, can be shaped. If Republicans cross their arms and say, you know what, no way, we're not doing it, we'll, you, you can dig a tunnel under Gwinnett County and put a train there over our dead bodies. Eventually your bodies will die, and they will build that train, and you will have no say in it. Right now, while Republicans still are a meaningful part of the constituency of Gwinnett County, they can have a say in shaping it. They can have a say in the 1% sales tax. They can have a say in the lines. They can have a say in all of these things that they won't, will no longer be able to have a say in. Uh, if they cross their arms, say, absolutely not, we're not going to do it, and the Democrats just wait them out and say, you know what, who needs bipartisanship? The Republicans put this off forever, drove up costs. It's their fault. Now we're doing it. It's going to happen. Uh, so do you want to stake in it? Do you want to shape the conversation? Do you want to steer the policy? It's now or never in that regard. So why do I say that MARTA is going to happen in Gwinnett County eventually? It is a huge issue for Democrats. And as the county trends to the Democrats, they're making it more of a priority. And as voters are younger, here's a key, here's a key fact. Ken, I, I don't know how old you are. I can't see you on your phone, but your voice suggested you're older than a millennial. And millennials are embracing public transportation. And as older voters become a smaller group of the voter pool, younger voters are increasingly supportive of public transportation. So demographically, data-wise, it's probably going to happen. Here's another reason it's going to happen. Tell me where you're going to build a new highway system in Gwinnett County. Anybody? Anybody going to take someone's private business and build a highway? Gwinnett County is still growing. Average commute times in Gwinnett County continue to go down. Within the next decade, if we don't do this in the Gwinnett County corridor from 285 up to Jimmy Carter Boulevard, which is where this rail line is going, if we don't do this, the average commute time is going to be less than 20 miles an hour. So those of you who are driving into Atlanta, and again, facts change there, events change things, that's true. 
but just where we are right now with population growth, with the continued trends of revitalization in the downtown and Buckhead corridor and people living in the suburbs, including Gwinnett County, heading downtown and to Buckhead and to Midtown, your average commute time is going to be less than 20 miles an hour on uh, 85 in that section. Because we can't build any more roads in that area without taking businesses, and the cost is going to be huge. So we got to do something. And it makes sense to me that if you tunnel under it and put a train in and you load up the trains with people and shoot them down a train corridor that's underneath the roads so they're not interrupting the flow of traffic, it makes sense. Go to New York, go to London, go to Chicago, uh, go to Paris, uh, go to Washington. You're going to see subway systems that carry tons of people into the city center to do business. We don't have that in Atlanta. Well, we have a, 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 a poor man's version of it with the way MARTA works now. So I am in favor of the subway. Ken's concerns are all legit. That 1% sales tax, no, if you approve it, it may never go away. Now, it'll always be bound to supporting public transportation. They won't be able to reauthorize it for something else the way the referendum has wor worked. That's absolutely right. And it's never going to turn a profit. Uh, you're always going to subsidize. But then that's the same thing that happens with roads. People talk about it as subsidization, but remember, every time you fill up your tank of gas, you are paying a fee, an excise tax, that goes to subsidizing roads because the roads aren't breaking even either. So you're either doing it for rail or you're doing it for roads. You, you, you don't want to do rail. Eventually, you're going to take some of that excise tax that's maintaining your roads and take it away from maintaining the roads to build new roads. So the current roads are going to decrease in quality and you're going to be taking people's private businesses away. You know, the only people who come out good in that deal are the people with electric cars because they're not paying for gas. So we're totally subsidizing them. That also is probably something at some point. If the rise of electric cars continues, we're going to have to think about Hello there. I want to go back to the phones here. I'm going to go to Mike and Marietta. Thanks for being patient with me, Mike. Hey, hey, Eric. Uh, hey, good show this afternoon. Thank uh, you. And first of all, congratulations on your call today. Thank you very much. Uh, I, yeah, I've heard from, I've heard for years that Jamie's the most connected man in Washington. Apparently not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, the Texas shooting, we don't hear about that, I guess, because is that not the one that was stopped by a good guy with a gun? Oh, yeah. Listen, in addition to being a, a group of white Christians who were killed, it was an NRA instructor who was able mm -hmm. to stop the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And 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 by the way, I've been meaning to call you and see if when can we get Georgia or go down the path of getting Georgia to be the 17th uh, constitutional carry state? Oh, we need to listen. As long as David Ralston is speaker, I don't think that's going to happen, though. He's so actively opposed to constitutional oh. carry. I'm gotcha. a I'm a big proponent of it. Mike, thanks very much for the phone call and for being patient. You know, by the way, I should mention that uh, the state house continues behind the scenes to mold David Clark's resolution on ousting David Ralston. Um, the pressure, at least, is useful for fetal heartbeat. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to that tomorrow. We're going to have to spend time on this, uh, the fetal heartbeat legislation tomorrow, because there is news on that front that's coming. It looks like it's going to be up for a vote in the Senate on Friday. So I'll bring you the details about it tomorrow of the state of play and what uh, pro-abortion activists are doing in the state capitol. Uh, in fact, several members of the state legislature have been inviting people, don't bring your kids to the legislature. The environment is so hostile down there with these pro-abortion activists. I'll fill you in tomorrow, so come back then.